I've been listening to this podcast uh, by this business guy kind of the last couple of weeks. One of my really good friends who's awesome. He's been just such an investment. He's made such an investment in my life. Uh, Sasha turned me on to this podcast, and it's, it's, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it's maybe later. Uh, but he, he always is talking. He's this loud, loud guy, New Yorker. He loves the Jets. I don't, I don't like football, but I don't even like the Jets. Actually, we do now because we, like, we love Josh McCown. That's right. We do. So I guess we love the Jets. And this term he's always talking about is ROI, return on investment, return on investment. He's always screaming it at the keynotes. He has tons of Instagrams, tons of Twitter posts. He's always talking about what are you investing in. And so I thought it'd be a great idea because I've been like shoving this guy like down my dad's throat. Like you got to hear him. He's crazy. He uses too much profanity, but he's kind of like right. And he kind of maybe borrows some of the ideas that you've said over the last 20 years and like brings them and just throws a few more like F-bombs in them. And, <laughs> but he actually like has the same similar, like ironically, like some of the same core values. Uh, so we're talking about this, this idea of the ROI of the soul. Come on. Yeah. I like yeah. you. You yeah. and the amen girl. Mm, friends. All right. You, this section is looking a little quiet. Um, so for today, you're going to cut me off. My, my intro is too long. Go. No, no, no. So, so for today's Battle Ready podcast. Battle Ready podcast. We're going to talk about ROI. ROI. Return on investment. Return on investment. And so, Aaron, if, if a person is not like in the business sector, explain to them in oh, the most goodness. basic way what ROI is. Okay. I, here we go. Pull out your Bibles. Um, just kidding. Uh, okay. Here we go. Because I'm not a business major. I majored in filmmaking which helped me so much working for a church because now I make films on Instagram story. And uh, no, yeah, but we were talking about this. So the idea of, you know, what is your return on your investment? So we all invest, whether it's time, finances, people, we have children, they're kind of an investment because you hope maybe you get the next Kobe and then that one pays you back for the rest of your life. (laughs) Um, Let's be real. Whenever you put a child in soccer, you're hoping he's Neymar. When you put a child in football, you're hoping he's Tom Brady. When you're putting a child in preschool, you're hoping he's like the next, he can't be the next Jesus, Sunday school. I so, put you uh, in every sport. I just kept hoping. I know. He's like, let once. I played, I played hockey. Yeah. I played. Soccer, I, hockey. Soccer, hockey. Basketball. Basketball. Volleyball. Did, yeah. Football never happened. No. No, no. He's just like, you're too short. You're too little. You're going to get crushed. <laughs> uh, I played volleyball. That was weird. Um, and... Yeah, so here we are. So we wanted to talk about the idea of what we invest our resources in, our time in, our relationships, uh, whether it's relationships, whether it's the church, whether it's business, whatever it is. And then what are we actually returning? What are we actually getting back? And uh, I think that's such a good thing to talk about in a church setting because we oftentimes turn up and then dip, right? How many of you guys come, how many of you guys know anybody else at Mosaic? More than two people. Raise your hand. Okay, more than two people. That's good. That's really good, actually. This is completely proving me wrong. But the podcast will think I'm right because they can't see your hands. So, <laughs> footnote, no one raised their hands. Um, but here's the question. Do you keep expecting a return on an investment without actually making an investment? Do you actually expect a return without making an investment? That's the thing. So I'm going to say that one more time, and then you're going to wow, because we're going to cut out the first one. Uh, do you keep expecting a return without making an investment? Wow. 
That's the only time I ever asked you to do it. <laughs> because, but it made me feel so good. <laughs> but it's it's really what kind of drove you to have this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think one of the things that frustrates you is when people expect to return without ever making an investment. They expect to return, let's say, from their spiritual journey without investing in their spiritual health. Absolutely. They expect a return from the church without making an investment in the church. They expect to return from people without making an investment in they people. They expect to become a leader without actually ever doing anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so the investment in becoming a leader is actually serving. So picking up chairs. You want to lead? Clean the bathroom. Catch, let us catch you cleaning the bathroom. Right, so whether, maybe... The, whether you're a doctor or whether you're a surfer. Either, both spectrums, same so start. Maybe a good question on the back end is, um, what, kind of re- what, what is the return you want from life? Right. What is the return you want to step into one day? You, you know, because we're talking about how in the days of Jesus, there was a real practical way to see the relationship between investment and return. If you planted wheat seeds, you got wheat. If you planted corn, you get corn. If you planted um, a particular grain, you expected that in the harvest time. And so there's a direct relationship when you're a farmer between investment and return. You don't plant seeds for wheat and then expect later to have corn. You don't plant apple trees and expect to have orange, oranges later. But I think we almost live in a culture where there's a mythology where we're surprised by the return we get when it actually matches the investment we made. Yes. <laughs> Keep going. You're on it. No, but I, I, I like, um, one of the things that when we were talking more privately that you were bringing up is one of the difficult things about investing, let's say, in people and getting a return is that a lot of times that investment doesn't prove out to be an invest, a return. Right. Yeah, one of the things, we, it, it, and another thing that we were actually talking about too is like, I'll come to him, he gets all of my moments. Like, this guy hears everything, and it sucks because I say a lot of things. So if I get like a bad email, I'm like, Dad, guess what? I call mom first because she's my girl, but then she never answers her phone. So... <laughs> And she has it on the loudest ring, but she doesn't answer. I think she knows what's coming. Then I call Mariah, and then Mariah like, doesn't have as much time because she's actually mad busy. And then I call, you know, the boss. And I go, you will not, you will not believe what just happened. And he's like, it's probably not that big of a deal, but you're going to tell me anyways, aren't you? <laughs> um, but you know, the, the, the big conversation that we've had, especially like learning to become a leader and learning to lead with kindness and to learn lead with, lead with graciousness is how do, what am I actually investing in in people and what are they actually investing, who are they investing in? Because it's, it's, I think it's easy to go one layer, but then how do you get that one layer to invest into more layers? And then I would, in the first like two years of me doing this, I've been at Mosaic now four years, I was living in New York for a few years. I was wild, I got Jesus, Jesus got me again for the 23rd time, and then now I'm here. And, um, but, but that was the big thing. It was like, it felt like every friend in LA uh, or every person I was investing in, it was like a bad, I would just in, invest the wrong things or too much time. It was, and they were just, it was getting weeds. And I would just go, hey, what am I doing wrong? Who, am I not identifying the leaders? Am I not identifying the people who are actually gonna build with me and actually create a culture that's actually uh, great? Or, is, or am I just continuing to finding leaders who I th- or people who I think are leaders, but they're actually just leading me the other way? 
and not actually taking me towards their friends and their community that are actually going to build the church or build into more people. They just are taking me down a road where I'm going to make an empty investment and never actually get a reward. Because I think it's an awkward thing to talk about, like when you invest in someone in church, like that you want a reward from somebody, but like you absolutely do, right? Like, no, yeah. Like if, if you're teaching someone how to do something, the same thing forever, that's insanity. It's insanity. You're, just, you're stupid. Stop doing it. But I'll hope that you've made a good investment in me because you continually have pushed in and I, I've continually like grown and teams have grown and people have grown. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things that you've taught me is how to identify people, how to identify the investment, how to identify the heart change or the things that people need. And then when you find someone who may be bad investment to not be bitter. And I think that was something that we were talking about a lot, is how do you avoid that? How do you... And here's the crazy thing about people. Yeah. One, if you hold with the theory of ROI, return on investment, the uh, higher the risk, the higher the potential for return. And so I, I have investments for both Kim and myself. The investments I make for my wife, I have their low risk, low return. Because I want to make sure that I don't lose all of her money. And so that if I die, she has something there but the potential for return is pretty limited. My investments are high risk, high return, because I don't care if I blow it all. And uh, I want the highest reward possible, so I'm willing to risk that. With people, it's always high risk. It's, <laughs> and, uh, and unless like you're stealing people from somewhere else where they took the high risk. Uh. And so, but it's so true. So here's the dilemma, yeah. like with Mosaic. Um, we've never gone outside of our community to hire pastors. We've always raised everyone up from within our community, which means it's high risk, high reward. And so when it doesn't work out, you not only lose a staff person, you lose a part of your community, you lose a friend, you've lost a lot. And so you're taking a much greater risk. At the same time, you're, you're not always gonna be right. No matter what company, what arena in life, headhunters at best have a 40% success rate. That means the people who are best at the world are gonna be wrong six out of 10 times when they pick someone. And uh, forget like business, talk about friendships. I mean, the, the rate of return on friendships are always high risk, high reward. And, but sometimes the reward doesn't work out in your favor, does it? And, and I think this is where Jesus' parable on the wheat and the weeds is really important. Because he says the kingdom of God is like someone who's growing wheat, but then you look out and you see weeds all over the place. And the person goes to the master, hey, let's get rid of the weeds. And he goes, no, because if you try to get rid of the weeds, you're going to destroy the wheat. Let the wheat mature. This is the reality in life, not just in church, not just in ministry, but in life. There are people you're going to love, people you're going to trust, people you're going to invest in, and they're going to let you down. And, and you can actually become embittered because all you see then are the weeds. And, and so you have to be careful because if you get wounded by the weeds, you'll never see the wheat in your life. You won't see the people who have been faithful, the people who have been trustworthy, the people who you didn't invest as much and they give you a greater return. And, and that's one of the things I think that we've kind of talked through. What would you through. say would be the percentage of people that you invest in that give you great return? 
Like, because we were talking about this, you oftentimes spend more time with the person who's not giving you anything back and not bringing you anything in return. And then the person who is a low investment, but, but, but a great investment is, is growing and thriving and building. And how do you identify that? And what would you say was the amount of time that you spend in the person that? So you want like real talk or do you want like fake pastor talk? Real talk, please. <laughs> you know, uh, I'd say it's about 10%. 10% of? 10% of the people that you pour your life into will actually begin to pour their lives into other people Goodness. with you. It's, it's, it's a very small percentage because, um, one, we're broken as human beings. And, and so we work oftentimes in life from a framework of people owe me something. And we'll just keep moving from place to place to place until we feel like, well, as long as we feel we're receiving. I actually think one of the unique things about what's happening here is that our, our ROI, our rate on return here is really high. That there's a really high sense of commitment to each other, a real sense of loyalty, a real sense of community, um, a real sense of servanthood, and, and not just serving, but joy in serving. Like, and, and this is one of the ways you can know rate uh, or, or uh, ex expect return. It's not about how broken a person is. Some of the most broken people who ever come in here have been our best investments. Yeah. And other people didn't see the potential. They didn't see the return, but we realized, oh, this is high risk, high return. Honestly, you're high risk, high return, and even though you're like my kid. And... Uh, <laughs> Because <laughs> you made a lot of bad choices. So many. And, uh, so you know, many. destructive choices. And, okay, let's um, time out. <laughs> and, and so other people might go, wow, is he really worth, worth the, um, the risk? Yeah. And, um, and I think you felt that about yourself. Oh, I'd ask you all the time, am I going to make it? You know? Like, like I was going somewhere. And, <laughs> like, and, you're going to make it, buddy. You're going to be okay. And, and frankly, I'm like, um, the brokenness that is in your life actually makes you such a great investment because you can relate to so many people who don't know if they can make it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so I see you as high risk, high reward and, uh, in that. But you know who's not high risk, high reward? It's not the person who's not broken. It's the person who's not grateful. That's the person who uh, is really not a good investment. And so it doesn't have to be like you go off and, and live the prodigal life because you have like Mariah who just always stayed in here and served and gave her life and, and, uh, and lived a more noble life than I've ever lived. <laughs> and so I look at Mariah and I go... She's just like the most wonderful human being in the I, world. I, I'm really... I, yeah, I go like, is, is this really possible? Yes. You know, and uh, I'm related to her. And uh, that's, my, that's my claim to goodness. And... Um, but I look at it and go, Thanks. but <laughs> <laughs> this is really what this is about. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that makes me feel like there's something good in me because I feel like I've passed on so much dysfunction and brokenness. You know you said something. <laughs> I'm going to talk about this later. Yeah. <laughs> that already part two, the car home. What I am saying is that it's not how broken you are. It's how humble you are how grateful you are, how faithful you are. You don't have to go and become more broken to become more valuable. But I, but I will, will say this is that what people looked at with Mariah was her talent, but that's not actually what made her a leader. It was actually her willingness to serve 
and to be under people that actually allowed her to rise up and to be trustworthy people under her. And, and, and I, I look at it and go, man, I didn't know Jordan was going to be doing announcements tonight. But you were like one of the, thing, one of the examples in my own heart. We were talking about this for um, our ROI. Because like you get one Jordan and that gives you enough encouragement to deal with 10 people that you pour your life into and then they just go off. So true. And, uh, and she didn't know she was doing announcements either. <laughs> she found out, what's it, like 10 minutes before, 20 minutes before? And she crushed it. And she crushed it. Yeah. Now, John Rouleau, he needs some work, you, you yeah, know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Communicating <laughs> training, you know. Put him in a speech class. But, but it is the people. Like, um, one, I, I, you actually wanted to make it even more practical because you want to talk about what are the things you need to be putting into your own soul. Yes. But can I ask you a question before we get to that? Sure. How do you become a good investment? I don't know wow. why I just thought about it. That's I a haven't good... had a lot to say, and that came to me, and I feel like that was a God, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and for the people in the podcast, Aaron looks yeah. up at heaven. Yeah. No, but like, one of the things you said to me this week is, um, would you just be really hard on me this year? And... Um, because I know you were like, I want to like, make some huge breakthroughs in my life. I want to become the kind of leader that the church needs. I want, and, and, you, and instead of saying, can you give me more opportunities, which you did not say, you said, can you be harder on me? And that's what people don't see in the backdrop. Because if you want your soil to be able to absorb the seed and to, bear the, and to produce the harvest, you have to be willing to have that soil broken. And so the people who are good investments are the ones who are able to take critique. They're the ones who are able to take criticism. Um, frankly, the more fragile you are, the less likely it is that you will grow beyond the ceiling you have right now. And so if people cannot speak into your life, if they can't tell you the truth, you are not capable at this time of growing. And, and, I, and so if you're, so I look for people who, um, like, like frankly, like Joe Smith. I've said some really hard things to Joe over the years. Not many, but a few. A few more than he remembers. And, and a few of them I said in front of his sweet wife. So sweet. And, uh, and she just looked terrified. And she looked at me and she goes, I could never take that. <laughs> you know? She goes, I don't know how Joe takes it. And uh, you say something hard to Joe and... He just, he just rises up. And, and so I look for a person, I go, when I, when I, because look, I never want to hurt anyone. It's really hard for me to criticize people. I mean, you guys know this. It's very hard for me to do this. So if I do it, it costs me so much that I look for the person where that, that cost emotionally for me was worth the effort. Because I know that person has taken those words and they've actually activated them into their life. So I look for the people who are just super teachable. I look for the people who are eager learners. I look for the people who are not working from the assumption that they're here to fix us. And and because there are people who walk into a room, doesn't have to be church, and they actually think they're God's gift to humanity. They they think they came in already fully developed out of the womb. Yeah. And, uh, There's so many of you. <laughs> no. Eric Roy. 
No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're great. No, but I actually think that you're someone who, who, when I think of who has been a great person to invest in, it's been you. I, I, my capacity as a leader has grown, but when I was starting, I had two people I put into. It was Tess, and then she decided to get married super quick, and then it was Eric. <laughs> <laughs> and so it quickly became the two people who are my best friends in the whole world. And it was a year, probably, of brutality, me and you of going at, like, culture, maybe two years. He's, like, saying, go up, <laughs> raise it up a bit. But, and now he leads beautifully with grace and mostly kindness. And now he has so many of the hard conversations that I don't necessarily want to have because he'll, he'll be the person where I would be like, hey, maybe that thing that you did the other day, you shouldn't ever do that ever again. And now he's the person who's calling me going, hey, did you hear what that person said? I'm going to do it with our leaders, not with our people who go to church because you guys are all beautiful and perfect and you don't do anything wrong. Um, but, you know, people on our team, they're nasty, they're, they're evil, they're bad. Um, <laughs> no, they're great. And, and, and it's so cool to see because I go, like, I don't have to be the, the Punisher anymore. I got Eric Roy. He's the Punisher. Uh, if I know that one of our young guys needs a hard conversation, I know they can call Eric and go, hey, can you lead him through the things that maybe you went through in this moment? Because now there's five of them, and now i got to deal with these three, and he's going to deal with these two, and, and we're going to both have a hard conversation. And it's cool to see the layers and the seeds that he's casting because he has a whole crew of guys that he's having coffees with breaking into, and, and he's building them up using the things that I taught him. <laughs> no, but really though, and like, and that was, and there were moments where we're, we weren't sure if there was gonna be a good investment. We'd have blowout fights. He'd walk away. I'd be like, "You can't walk away from me." And it was real things, real, real life fights. And I think it's crazy that even on like a young level, I go, when people go, "Hey, did you do anything good for four years?" I go, "Yeah, I have one person who still loves me and loves more people because we love each other greatly." And I go, "He was a good freaking investment." Uh, can I say freaking? I'm sorry. Go. And I think the thing is that if you want to be a leader, you have to be willing to lean into truth. And it's not like abstract, objective truth out there in the universe. It's the truths that matter for your life. You, you know, like the, the truth that that. I would need to say to Aaron would be different than the truth. I need to say to Mariah would be different than the truth that uh, I would need to say to Joe. And, there, and, there's, and, and you also have to be able to hear truths. Because, uh, you know, I've had moments where Mariah's just like speaking into my life. And, you know, she feels very free. And uh, the speaking of my life, Aaron speaks into my life. I have moments where other people have come to me and they've earned the right. They, they, I trust them because I know they're for my good. And, and a part of what happens in community is you earn the right to speak into each other's lives because you are for each other. And, uh, and, you're, and it's not just speaking hard truth, sometimes it's like speaking, um, it's almost like speaking power into a person. Because you're able to go to a person and say, I see this in you. And that person doesn't have the, the, the self-assurance to see it themselves but you're able to see talent in them. You're able to see gifting in them. You're able to see capacity in them that they couldn't see for themselves. And they think you're wrong, but you know you're right. 
And so you keep pulling it out of them. You keep pulling it out. And they want to run away from it because it's terrifying for them to step up to a higher level of capacity and responsibility. So I don't see this as just critique. It's also like pulling out the, the heroic in that person, pulling out the greatness in that person. I don't know how many times Aaron has told me, I, don't have, I can't do this. And I go, I just reject that. You know, and you and I've had people here who say to me, I, I, I'm just not, I, I just can't do that. And they go, no, you can. You, you just don't know you can. And, and you know, and it's really cool because this Sunday, uh, Jamar brought this, um, this guy to me. He was an atheist. And I think it was you. You said, hey, I met this really interesting guy. He's an atheist. Uh, do you want to meet him? So, of course, I want to meet him. And we began having this great conversation. And... Um, and in the middle of it goes, yeah, I'm an atheist. And, you know, I, I feel like my, 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 my brain is in trouble right now. You know? Because <laughs> uh, my soul, like it's, like, it's like you said, my soul seems to, like, know something. My brain doesn't. And, and, and we just kept having this conversation, talking about how the worship was getting to him. And he doesn't even believe in God, but the worship is getting to him. Right? I love that. You, you know? And it's such a beautiful thing. And, and he goes, I just don't know if I can believe, you know, as an atheist. And I said, that's okay. He said, do you feel it? There's so much faith in this room that we have enough for you. And he goes, I know, I can feel it. Like, you know, and you can feel it. And I said, so it's like, I already believe for you. You know, and he was like so grateful. And I loved having this conversation with him. And I, and you see, the part of return on investment as a leader is to see greatness in people they cannot see in themselves to see faith in them that you cannot see in themselves. To, like, um, we just, and I, I feel like that's the wonder of who Jesus is. He sees us as salt and light while we're kind of like darkness and dust. You know, we're like, and I don't know if I'm salt. I think I'm, I'm dust, you know. Look like salt, but I'm just like, you know, I'm dust. And I'm not really light. And, uh, you know, and glitter at best, but there's no light emanating out of me. And Jesus sees things in us that we cannot see in ourselves. And I love that he sees us as high risk, high reward. And, uh, and that, for me, is, like, is also very exciting. So good. How do you... I don't know if I want to move on to the next thing, if I want to keep talking about that thing. That was so good. Yeah, because one of the things that you have been really intrigued with is the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, but are we going there now? Yeah, I think you should go there. Let's go there now. So I think one of the things that we've been, we've been having this conversation, because I said it a few days ago, like, hey, I want this to be the year. I don't want to be 29 and you to give up on pushing me. I don't want to. I told myself when I was 21, I dropped out of college. Don't do that. That's dumb. Um, unless you're like Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg or maybe me. <laughs> um, and... Um, <laughs> No, but we had still this waiting on those billions. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had this conversation about. I was like, I don't. At 21, I said, okay, if I'm going to drop out, I'm going to learn from life as much as I, as possible that I can. I'm going to pull from the things that I never thought I could. I'm going to make as many relationships as I can. I'm going to spend time with people. I'm going to go on a different. I'm going to go on a different road. I'm going to do the Holden Caulfield of life, and until 30, and just learn as much as I possibly can, and. I think I'm okay, but I really got some making up to do in the year 2930. 
and counting 30 isn't part of the year. But the conversation that we had is I was like, I'm 29 and I don't want to give up on the fact that I need to grow every day. I need to build every day. And that I don't want to be, I want to be a good investment to where you actually can see the seed and the growth. And, and we were talking about something that I wake up every day and I go, okay, I wake up and I go to sleep and I, I'm in the shower because that's where all the brilliance happens, you know? It's where the billions are made. Uh, no, no, but I go, hey, did, did, am I going to wake up and what are the check marks I'm going to have? Because if the Spirit's actually in me, if the Holy Spirit, if God's actually engaging in my life and I'm engaging with the Spirit, then I'm going to be kind. It's my biggest hurdle in life. How do I am I kind on a daily basis to every single person I interact with, including every person that cuts me off in LA? And there's so many people. Um, how do I react? Am I being peaceful? Am I being patient? And those are the three things. And I go, am I having self-control? And I look at the fruit of the spirits in Galatians and I go, am, is my life, and it seems cheesy because it's the first thing you learn when you're in like Sunday school is like the fruit of the spirit and you draw it and there's like a tree and there's all these fruits and they mostly look like mangoes and like purple. And, and then they list them out and I go, no, see that's, I think we, we so many times try to make it so complicated. Like, am I healing people? Or am I hearing from the Holy Spirit all the time? Or am I, or am I do I have a girlfriend? Or, or am I the leader? that I should be, or am I making straight A's, or am I making millions? And I think it's so simple. Wow, turn off your phone. Um, <laughs> if you're on the podcast, don't turn off your phone, because then you'll stop listening to me. Um, but there is that check mark that I just go, okay, am I actually having patience? Am I actually living in a life of self-control? Am I actually living a life of kindness? And then when I go to sleep, I kind of go, okay, did I, did, how many of these did I fail today <laughs> that I have to start over again from, from a fresh start? And that's the beauty of grace, right? So I think when we engage in the spirit of God, we're actually, he's giving us these gifts in our own personality. And I think it's the, the coolest thing that we actually have access to something that is giving gifts to the world through us if we're actually aligned with what he's doing. And, and so my return on investment, we talked about this. We talked about, I have, I have this struggle all the time because my whole family is good at more than one thing. My sister's a brilliant singer. She's a brilliant songwriter. When she walks in a room and she's not singing, I'm like, this is a good day because she is, she is invested in someone who has become an even better leader or that she's investing in someone. I get to see something new where I think sometimes we walk into church and we're like, ah. Oh, Erwin's not speaking, it's Aaron. How quick can I get out? <laughs> How long do I have free parking for? Um, but I look at it and go, wow, they put that person up there. I'm getting to see something before anyone else is. I'm getting to see the, the, the growth process. And I think in church, we wanna see the best communicator ever, the best worship ever, rather than seeing the process of someone becoming and per perfecting their craft and seeing the spirit move. Because like I think the biggest example of the whole world is Brooke Odom. Do you know Brooke? She leads here sometimes. She's cute, she's awesome. She's marrying Andy. Pray for them, they get married on Friday. Um, and... I swear that she was not as good of a singer two years ago than she is now. And I don't know that it was a vocal ability as much as it was the ability to access the spirit of what God was pulling out of her and her, not just ability, but ability, but actually her ability to go, hey, I'm going to connect with you and then bring you to a higher power. And that's the idea of worship. And I think it's the idea of leadership. And I think it's the idea of an investment when we invest in people. I freak out because my dad's a writer, sister's a singer, mom is like saving the world. If you don't know Kim McManus, she's actually the hero. Um, 
like when we go and travel, we stay in decent hotels and we fly and there's like, you know, we have like electricity and things and she sleeps on the floor in Africa and in Bangladesh and, and she's just like loving life. And she comes home and she gets mad at us. She's like, Aaron, she gets mad at me. She's like, you sleep on a bed. I'm like, mom, I'm, am I allowed to sleep on a bed? Like, do I need to sleep on the, like, okay, I will help you. She's like, give me all your money. Like you think, she literally, like, she, I get robbed weekly. I'm like, mom, you have all my like, discretionary funds. Um, but I go, what, Aaron, what is the thing that you're good at other than church? Because at Mosaic, if you realize, like, people who are involved in church are also so good at other things. So I love about this church. Is they're just not just building the church. They're actually building the world and bringing the church into their world and then bringing their world into the church. And it's just the coolest thing. It's like the ebb and flow of the way God made us and the way it should be. Um, but I look at it and I go, what is my economy? What's, what's the thing that if I died right now, I'd go, okay, what's my value? Is it, is it, it's not Instagram followers. I could care less. It's not, it's not um, how many songs I've written because I've only written three because Mariah allowed me in the room. And when you're in the room, they give you writing credit. And so <laughs> thank you, Mariah, for paying my rent in New York because that writing credit got on Grey's Anatomy and I was stoked. Um, but what's my value? And I think so often my investment, I realized was like, okay, my investment is people. I want to have 5,000 leaders that come from this church, whether it's this campus or all the campuses. And, and the 5,000 leaders, what do they spawn? They're going to bring in 5,000 more leaders. And who are they going to keep layering and layering and layering? And I go, what if we could make a billion leaders? What if, what if right? Think how crazy that is. It's not that crazy. How many people are on Facebook? Sasha, you're in this room. How many people are on Facebook, Eric? Make up a number. Sounds super smart. How many? If you know it, yell it out. Three billion, imagine that. The internet is a gift. How crazy is that? Imagine what we could do if there were three billion people that were part of our church, that were connected. Three billion people who were on fire for God. Three billion people who were investing in more people to get the other half. Imagine what we could do with that if their only expectation was that one person turned into another person. We joke because I make fun of the company Tom's a lot, the shoe company. Because they, he, he, he's friends with my dad, and I laugh because I'm like, one for one, it's the cheesiest thing, but it's just the coolest thing, and it's the most realistic thing ever. If you help one person, who's that person going to help? Good leadership, that person goes when you're not looking and helps somebody else. Bad leadership, that guy goes and does nothing. And there's so many parables in this book about the guy who goes that God gives him everything, and then he goes and buries it in the sand. God gives him something, and he goes and throws it away. God makes him a king, and he goes and ruins it all for everybody. And so I think the most beautiful thing that we can do, our highest return, our, our, our investment is to invest in people and then to instill in them the ability to invest in another person, right? It's the open loop idea that you talk about. So oftentimes we're closed loops. Like if you told me all of the great things about how to be a great human, which I'm still struggling with, uh, it would be such a waste of your life. I go... I think that my biggest prayer is that I go, God, I get to have one of the most brilliant communicators, brilliant speakers, brilliant writers in the whole world as my dad. And he lets me bug him all of the time. And if I don't live greatly, I'm not a great investment. I'm not actually returning the investment that you've made in me. And I think so oftentimes we go, we go to church, we go to work, we go wherever, whether it's a good job or a bad job, and we go, okay, what am I getting? I'm getting the 1250 that I'm getting paid. I'm getting my stock option, or maybe I'm making a newspaper, or maybe I'm 
newspaper. Who actually reads that? Um, maybe I'm getting more followers. What is actually the return on that person's investment? If we're actually looking at the people who hire us and bring us into their lives, if we're going, I'm going to go and make, I'm not just going to make your company great. I'm going to make your life great. Imagine the reputation that the church would have in those situations. But imagine the reputation that you'll have just on an individual level. That person will give you more, will give you more, and build into you more because you've actually returned their investment of their life. Does that make sense? I've talked too much. That's so good. Yeah. I love it. Can we give it up? It's so good. I think this has been a really, really meaningful conversation. Because first of all, we want to look at our own lives and go, am I a good investment? Can people pour into my life and know that I'm going to be an open source? I'm going to, I'm going to give my life away to other people. And, and I think that's a good starting point for all of us, is I want to be a good investment. I, I want someone to be able to pour into my life and know that I'm going to pour into other people's lives. And, and at the same time, you want to make sure that you're pouring into other people the kind of, in a sense, the kind of harvest you want to see. Because uh, it's a strange thing. If you, if you give love, you're going to expand love. If you, if you give trust, you're going to create a more trusting world. And the things you give away are the very things you get returned. And if, if you want to be loved, love. If you want to be trusted, trust. If you... Um, if you want to lead, serve. Look, uh, this is the way God has established this human universe. And uh, in Galatians, it says, um, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And the problem, though, a lot of times is that we don't understand that our lives are what we're sowing or reaping right now. What we're reaping right now is what we sowed yesterday. And so if you don't like the person you are right now, you put the wrong stuff in you. Because if you put unforgiveness and bitterness, if you put greed and envy, you're gonna get a harvest of a life you do not want. And if, so you cannot fix the harvest you have right now, but you can start planting for your future right now. So start serving, start being faithful, start living a life of gratitude. Um, start um, working hard. And we didn't even talk about that, but it's like one of the things that I think people underestimate is the importance of hard work. You will not get a great harvest if you don't work hard, if you don't give yourself completely. And, and I, I feel like this is an important thing to look at your life and go, what do I want out of my life in three years, in five years, and 10 years? What do I want my life to look like? What do I want the world to look like? I need to start building into that now. And when it comes to the church, do I go to church to receive something? Or am I a part of the church to build something? And... Uh, we're building something together. We're creating a future together. We're planting a harvest together. And then if you pull it all the way back to Jesus, I mean, has anyone ever made a greater sacrifice? Jesus Christ, God himself, stepped into human history, gave his life at the cross so that we could live. High risk. And, and God's the greatest investor that has ever lived. 
So if he's willing to take that high risk, the reward must be extraordinary. God sees potential in you that goes beyond your wildest imagination. And I want to be a good investment of God's risk. Like I want God to get, in a sense, a return on interest and a return on investment on who I am as a human being. Jesus gave his life for me. I don't want to just give a few moments for him. He gave everything for me. I don't want to just give pocket change to God. If God decided I was worth everything on his behalf, then how in the world could I ever give anything less than everything I am to him? And, and that's really, I think, the culminating moment of return on investment. Jesus sacrificed his life so that you could live the life you're created to live. Have you received that investment in your life? Have you opened yourself to the God who loves you? I, we were just in Las Vegas and I was miserable. And it, it depresses me to watch people on slot machines pouring money in because they have given up on destiny so they're trusting and hoping for luck. And I'm like, man, I don't want to waste my life as if it's, it's, it's a slot machine, hoping that somehow some good will come to my life that's disconnected with the choices I've made in my life. And I want my life to be the exact outcome of what I've allowed, what I've allowed to income. And that's why for me, giving my life to Jesus is the greatest decision of my life because now I have God investing in me and my future. So I wonder if that's where you're at. Have you come to that place in your life where you've allowed Jesus and his sacrifice to be the investment in your soul? And I love the fact that um, God is willing to take us the way we are, broken and messed up, He's willing to take us in our emptiness and in um, our struggle. And he sees us as worth the risk. You were worth the risk to Jesus. So now the question is, will you receive what he has invested?